Um, I, I, I wanted to uh, quickly address this because I've got so many questions about it. Um, there's some articles and news reports and stuff that uh, I'm this horrible racist um, because I did not vote for the uh, Martin Luther King resolution that came up on the floor of the House uh, Friday morning. And um, I'm the only one that did not vote for this resolution. And the reason is because, well, you could go read the resolution, you would know. But uh, there were statements in the resolution that said things um, equivalent to, um, if you're a white person, you are automatically racist. Um, that, our, that our country is controlled by racist white men. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to put my name to that, that drivel. Um, I got up and gave a speech. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King was one of my heroes. I, I, but, but here's the thing is all the quotes I quoted for him was about Jesus. Everybody else seemed to forget that. In fact, his title on the screen was not Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. It was just Dr. Martin Luther King. And, uh, but he was a Christian first, a pastor, and then civil rights. And so I gave my speech. I did the stuff. And you can see the speech. Um, if you want to see how racist I am, go listen to the speech. But uh, I, knew, I knew they were going to do that, and I knew I was going to be the only one that didn't vote um, for the resolution because there's too much pressure. Why? Because you don't vote for the resolution, everybody's going to attack you. You're going to be called a racist, and uh, this is an election year. Um, I, I, I'm going to be reelected this year. Is that the right way to say it? It sounds arrogant to say it that way, but... Um, this is election year, and I know that everybody's making a big deal about this, so nobody voted for the resolution. But here's the thing. They've been calling me a racist already. Wouldn't <laughs> that matter? I've been called a racist and everything else. So, so I knew that was going to happen, but I, don't, I really don't care. That stuff doesn't bother me. The only reason I'm even saying this is because I know that some of you are deeply concerned that, um, that somebody called me a racist. Um, if this... If this is when you got concerned, you have not been paying attention before now. So, <laughs> so there's that. Um, <clears throat> the, um, some things that are happening right now, I think this is pretty important for us around the world to be processing some of this. Uh, the, so, we, so we know of all the stuff that's going on with Hamas attacking Israel and then Israel fighting back uh, with this. I, I saw a meme that, that represented this pretty good to me. Um, a monkey comes up and, and slaps a, a lion on the rear, and then the lion turns around and chases and destroys the monkey. And the monkey's like, what's your problem? You know, why do you got a problem with me? Well, you went up and slapped the lion, so you're an idiot. Um, we do see the Hamas stuff. We see the... Um, now, yes, they are in Gaza. They're doing stuff. I, I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but, you know... Israel has been trying to get the people in Gaza that want to leave, that, that would take refuge status or something like that. They've been trying to get them into Egypt. Egypt will not talk to them about this. Why? Because e Egypt says, no, we don't want terrorists in our country. That was Egypt's statement. But Israel's the bad guys. And so you've got this stuff going on. But, but, you're, but you're seeing, hopefully on these last few days, you've been seeing where, the, where Hezbollah and the Houthis have been attacking um, ships and things like that, and now uh, the United States and the U.K. are protecting those ships. They're not fighting for Israel because they're, that, this is actually um, off the coast, but uh, they're, they're, they're protecting these ships. They're protecting the trade and all this stuff. Now, why is this important? Because Iran, yes, they are saber-rattlers, but Iran is also different than a lot of the Arab countries around there. They would love war. A lot of the other Arab countries, they saber-rattle like Iran does, but Iran is crazy. They are, they are uh, religiously blind crazy, and they would love for an opportunity to, to have America and, and the U.K. and stuff involved in some kind of conflict. And so I think they're, they're doing this to kind of kick, the, kick the, um, the, the lion in the rear again and see if, uh, see if we're going to do anything. Now, interestingly on this, on two fronts here, 
President Biden came out this last week and basically said that if Israel does not stop the ceasefire, America is going to have to separate themselves or put distance between themselves and Israel. Okay. Now, there's two things. One, don't be, don't be overly worried about Israel on this. Okay. Um, Satan cannot destroy Israel. Scripture is clear that now that they are a country again, they will never be destroyed. They will never be um, taken apart as a country. Okay. So they will always be a country. So the problem is not whether or not Israel is going to be protected or something. The problem is when we pull away from Israel and leave them hanging, now we will be judged for that. That's the, that's the bigger thing here. And Israel is our allies, but everybody is siding more and more and more uh, with um, Hamas and the Palestinian mentality. And so... So pay attention to that. All of that stuff is about to get a, a lot worse over there. It's not going to get better. It's going to get a lot worse, and America is going to pull away from Israel. At the same time, I said this. I started saying this at the beginning of summer last summer, and I thought it was going to happen before um, this this last year was over. It didn't, um, but but now we're seeing some major signs. Biden two days ago, President Biden came out and said that he does not support an uh, independent Taiwan. Uh, China is about to invade Taiwan. We basically just said, have it. It's yours. Nobody else is going to come to their aid. And so they're basically going to take over Taiwan. Um, guys, this is not okay. The, this, if we do policing around the world, which I'm not a huge fan of, but if we do policing, it's for places like this. Uh, against places like China. And so this is just stuff that, that uh, it, it's happening. It's, it's, it's jumping up now. Um, again, also, I keep saying this, but this is also an election year, not just for local guys like me, but this is an election year for president, and that's the key. Uh, things have to get pretty bad before summer in a few different ways. They, they have to control the narrative, they have to control the com country, and they have to control the election. And so be paying attention as things happen over this spring coming in towards summer, what that looks like. Um, the, the, uh, the leftist will not let, um, they will not take the chance of a uh, free and fair election to elect Donald Trump. They cannot take that chance. There's too many people that, that they know they will be exposed and many of them will go to prison and they cannot take this chance. So be, be watching all of that stuff on the horizon too. <clears throat> and we're looking at in this series, All In, this is um, who we are as a church. This is the things we're trying to accomplish. I talked last week about being all in with Jesus. We're going to look at some different subjects coming up. Over the next few weeks, what does it mean to be all in in different arenas, like all in in marriage, all this kind of stuff? How do you define this kind of stuff? How do you, not, not how, what, what somebody else's definition that you can embrace, how do you, when you're sitting in process and stuff, what do you think it means to serve the Lord? What do you think it means to be all in with Jesus? What do you think? We're going to look at God's Word this morning. What do you think it means to be all in with God's Word? How do you look at the Bible? I think that's an important part of this process too. Um, do, do, how do you think about the Bible? Uh, th this is one of the things that I've been, I've been watching. This is uh, enjoyable to me to, to see the progression of this. But um, uh, Jordan Peterson, I started using some of his stuff years ago. Uh, little quotes and little things that he would say. Just a solid thinker, a truth seeker. He wasn't a Christian back in those days. He admitted it. He wasn't admitted. It's not the way he would say it. But he, he was a professed atheist began to, to really uh, process who God is. And see, here's the thing with me. If you seek truth, you will find it. If you truly seek truth, Jesus will reveal himself to you because he's truth. And so Jordan Peterson eventually became uh, very comfortable with talking about God, the word of God, things like that, does some teaching on it. Uh, and then I believe uh, since then he's given his heart to the Lord, and I believe he's a Christian now. But he still sees a lot of the word of God as allegory. It's not real stories. Uh, these are like fables that the Lord is using to teach us. Good, solid fables, but they're not true stories. Well, here's the good thing. He's a truth seeker, so he'll get there. 
I'm, I am not concerned at all. He will get there. He will. There will be a moment when he realizes through seeking God and seeking the truth of God, when God reveals to him, no, these are actually things that happen. So the reason I'm saying that is how do you look at the Word of God? How do you look at the stories? How do you look at the information? I, I constantly come across Christians that are talking about, well, you know the Word of God is not accurate here. It's not this. It's not that. And the only reason that people say those kind of things is because they've heard somebody say that, read it somewhere. You know, somebody put a, a deep, insightful, two-sentence statement of theology on Facebook, and now we know, right? And uh, th- we're not actually studying it ourselves and, and processing it ourselves. Uh, m- most of the statements that will ever be said about the validity of God's Word, I've seen them and I've studied them and found them to be not true. They're not based in fact. I'm sure I'll, I'll see something in the future that I haven't seen before, and I'll go study it. Um, not, not because I'm wondering whether God's Word is true. It's because I'm wondering where people get some of the goofy things they say, and I'll go study that out. But what do you think about God's Word? What do you think of the importance of it? How do you process it? How do you process the information? And here's the, here is the um, question for us today is, Uh, What is your plan for reading God's Word this year? What is your plan for getting closer to God in in His Word? What are you you doing? What are you changing? Um, What is the time that you're sectioning off kind of thing? I would, would, uh, although this is better than nothing, I would would, uh, caution a little bit here to, to have a plan. If your plan is something like, well, you know, when I get uh, downtime at work, I'll read the Bible. Okay. Uh, again, that's better than nothing. But I think what will happen is, is two or three months later, you realize that you read the Bible twice. Right. Um, but you still went down and to the vending machine or whatever quite a few times. So, so think about actually having a dedicated, specific time frame moment that you say, okay, this is God's, this is, I'm going to study God's Word during this time, I'm going to do this then, this time kind of thing. We also have some opportunities around here that are going to help you with this, and maybe then you can develop one also. But I have a professor years ago. Uh, he was a professor when I first went to Bible college in 1989. And um, amazing guy. He's been a friend since then. Uh, he actually was one of my advisors on my, my uh, doctoral project. He, and he is, he is the guy, for me, he is the guy that made me, for the first time in my life, say, man, the Word of God could be kind of cool. I never really processed it like that. And uh, we, we took a class, Lynn and I took the class together with him. And, and then, uh, this because I just took whatever classes she took. That was literally my, fina- my uh, academic advisor was, I looked at her sheet and I wrote it. So... You think I'm kidding, but I, that's exactly what happened. But, and uh, she passed all hers. And so <laughs> I, I took that class, and in the evening, he would say, okay, I'm going to meet you in like this little gathering place, this little cafe area on the, uh, the campus. And for an hour, and so we would go and sit um, and listen to him, and he, and he did these things, explain how to break down Scripture and how do you study certain things. There's all kinds of wonderful things out there that will teach you how to break down Scripture, um, process information, all kinds of stuff to help you look at Scripture deeper and broader and all those sort of things. So that's what we were doing, right? And through that class and in sitting there, he changed my concept of the Bible. And I grew up in the, I grew up in the church, but I just recently before that gotten saved and then um, began to be obedient to God. And so... I would watch him talk about God's Word, and he would get so excited, and he would get so excited about, look at this sentence. And, and right there, sitting with everybody else pretty soon, he's, he's pulled everybody, not like physically, but everybody there is looking at a sentence in the Bible and for like 20 minutes and going, man, that's awesome. And I'd never experienced that before. I'd never seen that, that um, hunger, that excitement, that that um, passion for God's Word at that level. In fact, I've talked to him. He's, he's um, uh, um, older now, quite older. And, and, uh, but I did talk to him if he can come through here maybe this summer sometime and come preach for us, maybe do a Sunday and then a Wednesday or something, just because 
He's the best I've ever seen at just God's Word. And so I was talking to him a couple weeks ago and, and looking at this, and he developed a Bible reading plan. In fact, it's a copyrighted thing that the Logos Bible program uses. They have it on their program. Um, most of you don't have Logos Bible program. It's a very, very expensive Bible program, like hundreds of dollars. I think it's actually over 1000 for the full um, program. It's what I use. I think Rick uses that. Um, it's very, very detailed. But they actually have an area in there you can click on a book, and it's his Bible reading program. So I asked him, can we use that? He said, here's what I'll do. He said, I'll just email you um, uh, Word files of it so you can, if you want to make notes or do whatever, he said, just don't change the copyright stuff and, uh, and change it f- for people. Let, if people want to make notes, they can do that, but don't do all that stuff. And I said, sure, we'll, we'll use that. So if you're interested in his Bible reading program, um, email the church office and we'll just send it to you. They, they uh, already have it set up in the office to send it out, so just email me, email office, don't email me, email office, and, uh, and we'll send that to you. Another thing that we're doing here is we, right now, during second service, um, Paul Reek has a a class downstairs about reading the Bible. Paul went through the whole Bible and made a a summary of each book in the Bible. And and then he's using that as the springboard or the platform to teach through the Bible. And it's it's really good stuff. I like his his layout of it. uh, the simplicity, but the depth of it, I think it balances wonderfully nice. And so if you're interested in that, that's another thing. Some of our life groups study the Bible. There are, there are ways that you can get plugged in. There are ways that you can do some things and get connected with this. Why? Let's go to the, um, let's go to the mission statement of the church. Church at Briargate exists to enable people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to supernaturally draw close to Jesus Christ and to bring as many others along as possible. Now, most of the time, we put our emphasis here at Church of Briargate on the last part, to bring as many others along as possible. Go, go to the nations, go to the lost, and make disciples. Go to the lost, preach the gospel. We, we focus on that a lot. But uh, this year, we're, we're not changing that. We're done diminishing that, but we do want to be very intentional about how can we also help you supernaturally draw close to Jesus Christ? How can I draw close to Jesus Christ? How can you? And how do we uh, facilitate that better? All right? So this is one of the things is our life groups, the Bible study plans, these kind of things. We want to help you push some of this stuff into your world. But you've got to, you've got to be intentional about that. What are you doing right now? What are you doing that is going to help you draw closer to Jesus Christ this year? What is your plan? I, I talked last week about all in with Jesus. What is, what is your plan to be all in with Jesus? Well, I really feel it. That's not enough. You've got to have a plan. What is your intentional direction you're going to take this year to, to get into God's Word? What is, your, what is your written out plan? Or if you say, well, I didn't write it down, but I know what I'm doing. What, could you codify that to somebody verbally? Do you know what you're doing? Are, are you going to read through the Bible this year? Are you going to go to a life group? Are you gonna, what are you going to do to intentionally say, this is how I'm going to um, know God's word better by the end of this year? This is, if you, if you don't make a plan, you, you're going to be the same. Whatever, whatever you didn't get done last year is what you're not going to get done this year. Until you, until you come up with some kind of goal plan and that kind of thing. Um, I mentioned this last week about like retirement retirement savings and accounts and all that kind of stuff. If you don't, if you don't plan something, you're, you're going to be 60 years old going, oh, oops. That, that's reality. And so, so do something. Think about this. Um, what, what, is your, what is your goals uh, this year in God's Word? So first thing with this, when we're looking at the importance of God's Word, studying God's Word and those kind of things, understand that this is it's built in relationship, okay? The Bible is not just a book with a bunch of words that you get information from. If you see it that way, you're going to miss, you're going to miss everything, I think. It's not just an informational book. It's not just a, a, a guidebook or a manual. Those things, it, it can and should be used for those kind of uh, ideas. But it is actually, according to John chapter 1, the Word of God is actually Jesus. It's not 
about Jesus, it's Jesus. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. And it says, the Word became flesh. Jesus is the Word. He's the Logos. And so if you're going to understand Jesus, uh, you get in the Word. If you want to understand the Word, you have a relationship with Jesus that works together. It's, it's uh, connected and coordinated together. Relationship with God is what is the, first, it's the point of the Bible, but it's also the, the ingredient that makes understanding the Bible um, uh, possible, accurate, healthy, all those kind of things. Word of God begins with relationship. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. Uh, and the way he says that, the joys of, the, the joys of those who do not um, follow the advice of the wicked. There's many times over the years when I've seen this uh, at a distance where somebody's making decisions, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and you, you don't do it, I didn't do it, and then watch everything go south, and you go, oh, yeah, I guess I made the right decision, right? I, this was a thing for me in, in high school. I wasn't really um, a partier because I don't like that kind of activity. I don't know how to say that. I'm not a go out and just randomly hang out with people I don't know kind of person. It's not my personality. Um, if there was a, a girl that I was interested in and she was going to be at the party, I would consider, right? Because I had a, a reason and a person. But, but just a bunch of people going and hanging out and, and then all the drinking. I always thought drinking was stupid. A bunch of people, they get the red solo cups, fill it up with beer, drink two swallows and set it down. I don't, maybe you went to different parties, but when I went to the parties, you could walk around the parties, and there was 150 solo cups with beer in them. Why? Because they didn't really want to drink, but you got to be cool. you got to be cool. Yes, it, it tastes like urine, but you got to be cool. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, it's, it's good. Well, all right. So, so here's the thing is you can follow... And you'll be greatly disappointed more often than you'll be pleased. You can follow and, and things go south. You can take advice of wicked people and things will hurt you. Things will be upside down. There will be problems. There will be all that stuff. But, but it's so difficult for us, specifically in society today, where society itself is pushing in on this kind of thing. I, I even mentioned this a, a little bit in my speech on Martin Luther King in the Capitol was one of the things that, um, that, that um, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believed is that Jesus, relation, this, I read this quote, that relationship with Jesus is what propelled him toward civil disobedience. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was pushing against the societal evils. At that time, racism. You know what the societal evils is today? The transgender, the abortion, all the stuff. And here's the thing, and this is what I tried to say, was also racism. Because now racism, we, we're revisiting it all over again. People are making decisions ahead of time. If you're white, you're racist. Well, that's wrong. That's incorrect. And then I had to sit and listen to one representative get up, a white guy, and explain how he didn't. He always thought he wasn't racist until one of the members of the Black Caucus convinced him he was. And now he wants to apologize to everybody. Like, you no backbone waste of breath at this moment. You're wasting our time with this information you're saying. But we've got, everybody's got to be the bad guy. Everybody. I don't accept that kind of stuff. I do not take the advice of the wicked. I don't listen to them telling me who I am. I know who I am. I don't care what they think. I know who I am. Look, look, figure out the joys of not following the advice of the wicked. So he says, and this is the opposite, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Delight. Enjoy the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Kind of has that feel out of Revelation, right? The, the river flowing from the throne. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. 
They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. You say, well, doesn't God take care of everybody's path? No. Scripture doesn't teach that. God, when you follow God and you follow the footsteps that are being revealed to you, then you are in God's covering and he will protect you. Psalm 91, when you, when you, when you, when you uh, get up under the, the wings or the feathers of the Lord, then he protects you. If you say, God, I don't need you, and you walk out there on your own, God's not protecting you. There's no promise of that in Scripture. The promise of God is when you obey him, when you follow him, when you follow his word. And that doesn't mean mistake-free, but it has attitudinally holy that I'm going to follow the Lord in everything that I am. Then he carries you and he covers you and he protects you. You don't. I, I, I get frustrated when I hear people quote scripture so completely incorrectly when they say all things work together for the good. That is not with that scripture, and they use it to just mean whatever's happening is supposed to happen. That's not Christianity. That's not biblical. There are a lot of things on this planet that are not supposed to be happening. But they're happening because of ungodliness and rebellion and sin. It's not all, we're not, it's not all working out the way it's supposed to be. And I know I use this example every now and then, but I saw this personally myself when I was in Africa. There's this mentality in Africa that um, whatever happens, that's what's supposed to happen, right? It, we have it in America, too. But I would watch. They've got these buses that are 200 years old. I know that's probably not accurate. but And they're all, I mean, they drive down the road doing this kind of thing. It's scary. And they'll, they'll fill the bus up completely. It's completely packed. Not like a person in every seat, but like four people in every seat. And, and then the windows are all open on the, um, on the sidewalk side. And so people will run up and jump and put their arm in the window. And the pressure of all the people in the bus holds them there. Okay? This is, this is very common. All right? I'm not making something up. And so then you've got like 30 people hanging on the outside of the bus, just hanging in the window. Right? And, but that's only on one side of the bus. Okay, that has horrible springs, no, no shocks, none of that kind of stuff. Bus will go around a corner fairly quickly, and it'll crash over and kill a bunch of people. And then everybody says, well, I guess it was their time to go. Well, here's another option. Maybe it wasn't your time to hang out the side of the bus window. But we, we do the same thing in America, guys. We do the same thing in American Christianity. Not hang out bus windows, but we do the same thing in the Christianity mentality. You say, well, I guess that it all worked out good for the Lord. Did it? Can you make that claim on everything? Because most of the time I hear that statement used, it is not benefiting God. Plus the rest of the sentences in Christ Jesus. Right? We, we've got to think, what does God's word actually tell us? We've got to be actively getting in God's Word and trying to figure out what God is saying to us about all of this stuff. He says, um, <clears throat> the, the Lord watches over the path of the godly. The path of the wicked leads to destruction. So the second thing, God's Word is also purpose and direction. And I am going to be talking in a few weeks about God's will, knowing God's will. How do you know God's will? What does that look like? There are some very, very clear instructions in God's Word about how to know God's will. It's not, I don't think it's quite as elusive as we allow it to be in our Christian thinking. I'm not saying it's immediately easy, okay? I, I've struggled at different times knowing God's will. I know many of you have. But there are certain things that Scripture says, if you'll do this, if you'll do this, you'll know God's will, okay? So we're going to look at that. But just to kind of process this from the point of view that God's word actually is the, the, the foundation of how you understand who he is and what he's trying to tell us, All right? What he's trying to tell you specifically. The best way to do that is you get in God's word. You say, well, shouldn't we be praying about it? Yes, and that is part of the subject. But if you're just praying about it, you're, you're, you potentially can miss God's will because God's word will tell you what he wants you to do, and he will confirm that. I was just talking with a guy recently that is... Um, 
that is running for the Senate. And this was before he had decided, and he was, we were talking about it, and we were praying about it. And he was asking me, um, uh, you know, how do you, how do you know, how did you know all this kind of stuff? And so he and I were talking back and forth, and he said, well, here's a thing for me. He says, I have to have confirmation in God's word or I don't do stuff. I thought that is one of the best statements a Christian can live by. I don't do stuff unless God's word shows me. Get in God's word. Let God's word show you. you, Now you say, well, you mean the Bible said he's supposed to run for a senator? That's, it didn't have that sentence in there, but God will reveal things to you. And he told me the, these are the things God showed me through the word. And I'm like, man, you nailed it. You're right on. This is, this is, this is how God speaks to us through his word. So you've got you to gotta process that. All right? He says in Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. This isn't just, um, this isn't just metaphor. This is real. This is real everyday stuff. Your word guides my steps, my feet. I put them there because your word said do that. And this is another way to, to, to process it. The opposite is I'm not going to put my foot somewhere where the Lord says this is not where he is. Okay, I, I, I've used this example. It's just because it's the easiest. We get there quickly. But years ago, I had a lady come to my office. And tell me, I've been praying about this, and God told me that I should marry this guy. And I told her, I said, God is not saying that to you. He said, how do you, she said, how do you know that? And I said, two reasons. One is, you're married to somebody else, and they're married to somebody else. There's your two reasons. Well, but if God told me, but God doesn't override his own word. God didn't tell you this. Well, I think in my heart, and she ended up divorcing her husband, marrying that guy. Because why? She had decided. It wasn't God. It was heart. It was feeling. And this is decided. She decided what she's going to do, and it didn't matter what God's word said. As we've got to be careful of that because his word will tell us where to step. And his word also tells us where not to step. Okay? If, if God says this is sin, then it's not going to be God's will for your life. It doesn't matter how you frame it or, 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 or embrace it or whatever. You, if, this, if God says this is sin, it's sin. If God says this is how the righteous live, then that's where your steps should be. Right? I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. That's, that's a decision that you make. It's a choice. I will obey him, and he's, and he's emphasizing. I said it once, I'll say it again. I promise it once, I'll promise it again. I will obey. I will obey your word. I think we have to make that conscious decision on a regular basis because you're going to have opportunities when it's easier not to. That's just life. That's just being a human. It's just easier not to obey God's word. Sometimes, I think actually sometimes it is easier, but, but sometimes it's not easier. It's going to be difficult to take a stand. It's just somebody came up to me after first service and said, Pastor, just one word, just persevere. I thought that's a solid word for Christians. Just hang in there. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. Most of the time it's going to be enjoyable. You're going to uh, like life a lot more as a Christian than not being a Christian. But sometimes it's difficult. When everybody else is turning against you, everybody else is doing this. Or every, okay, but, but you just... Just stay in God's word. I, I've made my mind up. I promise it, and I promise it, and I promise. I will obey your righteous reg- regulations. And again, this is choice. You have to choose to obey God's word. Not just, not just read it and know the information. That's where it becomes, you know, metaphor, allegory, whatever we say. Well, it's just information. Um, and some people, I went, to, I went to seminary with some professors that literally just saw the Bible as uh, a book that they use as part of study guide in their classes. They weren't Christians. They, weren't, they didn't profess to, to believe the Bible. They just taught the Bible. Well, I, I hate to say it this way. I didn't, at that point when I, when I found that out, I no longer cared what they were teaching about the Bible. I want to I be taught by somebody 
that loves the Bible. I want to be taught by somebody that is passionate about God and passionate about seeing what God has to say to us today from his word. You're telling me, well, I'm an atheist, but I'm a Bible professor, which actually is very common, believe it or not. Um, I'm not interested, just not. He says, I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. God's word and um, praise, worship, those kind of things all go hand in hand. You can't separate them. When you do, it causes problems, right? When we, and we, we don't do this here, we're, we're very intentional about this, but I have seen worship songs and things before that have no biblical basis to them. And we don't waste our time here with that kind of stuff. What, why, why waste our time singing something you're not even really sure who you're singing to? Right? Don't, don't you want to know you're singing to Jesus? Right? Um, I, was, I was a kid one time in church, and uh, the pastor said, um, stretch out your hands toward the one you love. And he meant Jesus. And there was this girl <laughs> sitting there. And I was like, and uh, my dad didn't think that was funny. So, <clears throat> accept my offering of praise. Teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. As I know, for the most part, we haven't experienced that much in America, but it's coming quickly. That your life will be hanging in the balance of whether you believe in God's word and live God's word out or not. That's just where we're headed. This is, this is, but, but again, I, there's a part of me that's like, okay, as long as, we, as long as the end result is we obey the instructions of the Lord, then persecution's not horrible. I'm saying for the church at large, I don't think it would, I don't think it would be horrible for the church in America to go through some difficult times. I think we've had it too, too easy, too long. We've taken too many things for granted. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I love that. And he doesn't use word or regulations here. He goes back to the, to the word law here. Your laws, which is more like the rules mentality. Your rules are my treasure. That's not the way we look at that, right? Your rules are my treasure they are my heart's delight. I determined to keep your decrees to the very end. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture. Not some. All Scripture. This is, this is a big uh, process that, that it's, it's cyclical. It's not like it's all new right now. About every 50 to 75 years this happens within any church setting. Is they, have to, they have to assess how much do they believe God's word is all true or how much they believe parts are true. Okay. And this is, this is actually taught, again, one of the seminaries I went to, um, they, they were teaching that, that um, different ways that people uh, believe in the, um, the inerrancy of God's word and which parts are right and which parts are wrong. There are actually major parts of Protestant church that believe that the ideas of the stories are true but maybe the details are not actually true. In other words, it's more like Aesop's fables. The point of the story is good, and that's probably maybe God. But um, the actual information, science, and all that kind of... I go over a lot of this in the journey when I'm teaching that. We, go, we talk about how the Word of God is, is um, inspired, what is the way we believe, and what are some different beliefs out there. Because not everybody believes... A lot of the, the Protestant church in America doesn't believe in the complete inerrancy of God's word anymore. We just don't. I mentioned that uh, a, a few years ago. We went to a conference. We took our staff here to a conference, and uh, Andy Stanley was teaching at the conference. And he explained to us in that conference how uh, the church has got to stop defending the Bible. It's the personal stories that are important. It's not the Bible. And then he said... It, to think that some that how said to think that sixty six archaic books are what we need to be fighting for, we've got problems. And I liked Andy Stanley, 
I liked him a lot. And he basically just said, it's no more about the Bible. It's about what you believe. It's your story. Because your story will take you to hell. The Word of God is what takes you to Christ. Your, your personal revelation doesn't get you any closer to Jesus Christ unless it's founded upon who? Jesus Christ, the Word. We've, we've got to make sure we always keep this. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I know that's not always comfortable, but I, I do this regularly. In almost, I, think, I think I do this pretty much every time I read the Bible. But I'll pray, Lord, um, convict me. Show me something I need to do differently. I enjoy the stories. I enjoy the study. I enjoy the reading. But somewhere along the way, there needs to be God convict me. Because I, I don't want to keep being me if I can be closer to who Jesus is. Right? I mean, if I have the choice, you can just stay you. That hasn't done me well most of my life. But if I try to be more like Jesus, it always does me well. Shouldn't that be my goal? Well, you can pray that as, you, as you're studying. It corrects us when wrong teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people not to just have good church or believe the word, but he says he equip us to do every good work. I believe the more you get in the Word of God, the more you want to do the Word of God, to make it happen in your life, to live it out through witnessing, through prayer, through ministry, through teaching, through all this kind of stuff, to do every good work. The third thing here is that, that uh, God's Word also keeps us from sin. Psalms 119, verse 9, how can a young person stay pure? That's, that's a big question. A lot of young people have that question regularly. Um, Josh and I talk about this regularly with the teenagers, that they're always asking these questions. What about this? The idea that somehow a youth pastor would stay away from things like sexuality and homosexuality and all this stuff doesn't make sense. Those are the questions teenagers have. Why stay away from the most important things they're asking about? But, um, our children's pastor, slash my daughter, she was, uh, she was telling me this just recently, that the older girls in the Wednesday night girls' ministries that we do here, they all wanted to know about dating. I, I, there was a part of me that was like, I'd like to come down and hear you teach about dating too. <laughs> I'm up here doing my thing, but could you record that for me? But um, Because why? That's what 13-year-old girls want to know about. And for some reason, the church stays away from the subject or doesn't really deal with the issues. You know what? There's some major temptations that 13-year-old boys and girls go through. There's also major temptations that 43-year-old boys and girls go through. And we've got to be looking at it. We've got to be talking about it. We've got to... How does a young person stay pure? By obeying the Word of God. Don't... <laughs> Just lock them in their room. That's how... How does a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. This is, do you hear almost the pleading in his heart? God, I need your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud. I think that's important, reciting aloud, reading scripture aloud. In fact, years ago when I, <clears throat> when I was... Um, First, starting to memorize scripture. I did three or four things. I still do um, one of these things regularly. But I, I did a few things. One is I would take uh, five by three, three by five note cards, and I would write scripture on them, and I'd keep them in my pocket. And I'd keep about 20 of those in, in my back pocket. Then whenever you're doing something, you pull those out and you read those. And, I would, and the teenagers in our youth group did those too. And, um, and then you, whenever you're doing something, you just pull that out and you read that over and over. You go to the next card and read it. And you could, you could memorize 15, 20 scriptures very quickly, very easily in a week, no problem. Because it's constantly going through your head. Well, another way I started to, try to, to teach myself to memorize scripture actually taught me how to study scripture differently. I didn't, I didn't realize this. It just was a little trick I was using, I guess, a little concept I was using to help me memorize scripture. 
But it began to open Scripture up to me, and I realized, wait a second. I can study Scripture this way and see things differently. I would take a sentence, let's say um, that first sentence, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? Okay. So then I would take that and to, I would read it at least the amount of times that there were words in the sentence. And the reason is because I would accentuate each word, then go to the next word, accentuate that. So, so the first time, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? How can, so you get the idea. Well, then all of a sudden is one, so as I'm doing that, I'm reading that out loud. I'm saying it out loud to myself. And as I do that, all of a sudden, one of the words that I focus on verbally, it connects in my head. Wait a second. I haven't looked at that from that point of view yet. How can a person, how can a person stay pure? How can a person stay you, you start to see the sentence differently, and you put the, 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 the focus or the emphasis on, a, on one word at a time, and it begins. You'll see things in Scripture you didn't see before. You'll, you'll process them. You go, wait a second. And this is where it developed for me for a little while, over time, I mean, that I began to be able to put myself into Bible stories, and I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I would put myself in the story. When I'm reading something out of Scripture, I would read it, and I put myself in each of the positions of the, the things. And when I mentioned this last week or the week before, I talked about I actually put myself in the place of Balaam the donkey. And I thought, oh, I really wonder what his point of view of the whole story was, right? So, so it begins to change everything with that. And you'll memorize Scripture like crazy because you begin to embrace it and understand it. He said, I have recited aloud all of the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. you you got to ask yourself, is that true in my life? That I love God's word as much as money? That I would like God's word as much as money? Let me say it differently. What if God gave you money in relationship to his word in your life? Would that be a good thing, or would you be very poor? Think about that, right? Because John tells us that, um, that, he would, that the Lord wants us to prosper as our soul prospers. Not just, oh, I want you to prosper, but as your soul is prospering, that develops every other area, arena in your life. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. That, those are choices that you make. So the fourth thing here. God's word is living and powerful in all the world. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. I've, I've taught on that before, how the Word of God gets between you, the soul, which is who you are, and spirit, which is how you're trying to listen to the Lord. And the Word of God begins to, to cut things that are hindering that avenue of, um, of uh, communication there. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. No matter how you think you can hide, nothing is hidden from God. God sees every person, every household. He sees all of the representatives in the state capitol. Nothing is hiding. Nothing is hiding. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. And then Revelation chapter 1, and I think this is not just about Revelation, which is what he's saying, but it's for all the word of God. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So I kind of have, um, have an inside track here. It said, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. I do that every week. Do that. Start a life group. Read the word of God to somebody, and God will bless that. All right? Why don't you stand with me? So here is where I want us to end up. We're going to pray. But here's the goal. Here's where I hope that we end is that when you walk out of here this morning, you have a specific intentional plan of, of uh, what you're going to do this year to get into God's Word. What's your plan? What, what is your time frames? What are you going to do?
You're going to read through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. You're going to do a chronological Bible. Those are fun. Somebody told me last week they got a chronological Bible. Um, it, those, are, those are exciting. Those are fun. You can start in the Gospels. Maybe read the major prophets, the minor prophets. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can approach it. But, but what's your plan? What's your plan? That's the key. And it needs to be intentional. Not just, well, I think when it happens. No, be intentional. Let's pray. God, we ask you to open our hearts, I think, really to you, Lord. Open our hearts to you and therefore your word. That we will have a desire to know your word. We will have a desire, Lord God, deep within us that your word is delightful, it's enjoyable, it's exciting, it's fun. Lord, if there's, there's people in here that struggle with reading, God, help them to, to listen to it on, on line or you version or something. Lord, help them to, to still engage in the word of God even if they're not readers. Lord, help us to be excited about the things going on in your word, the stories, the stuff. Lord, there's so much that you're trying to tell us. There's so much about you you're trying to tell us. There's so much about your love you're trying to tell us. And God, also warn us, convict us with your word. In Jesus' name. We just need you. Above everything else, we just need you. And Jesus, we need you, the word. So if every one of us in here, right now, God, work on our hearts and our minds. Help us to come up with this plan. What do you want us to do? Speak to us. I know it's unique for every one of us, so speak to us. Show us what, what plan we can use, what, what we can do, who to get together with, whatever it takes. In Jesus' name. So let me ask you, <clears throat> how many of you already um, have your plan together and your and your uh, it's instituted and you're like you're doing it, you're following through, got it, your plan together. How many of you are kind of right now you're processing, developing a plan, what you think is going to happen? Okay, um, just just follow through, guys, just follow through. If you need the Bible plan from my my um, previous my old professor. Let me know. We'll send that to you. There's, you can go online and look. What, you can go online and find. You can just type in Bible plan for 20-year-olds, and they'll give you one. Bible plan for seniors. You will, you will get one. I promise you there's stuff out there. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you an opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus, and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Maybe even tell them what your Bible plan is, and we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.